everyone. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of How We Get By. I interviewed my friend Steve. He has been on, I think he was on episode three or four when we talked about CTE and depression. He talked a little bit about his journey with meditation and um, I certainly have benefited from his knowledge and the studies and experiences that he has had and recently I have been a little bit I don't know if worried is the word but just concerned for my friend Steve because I know he's uh, been going through a tough time and I knew he was struggling with depression and in true Steve character he was able to assess the situation figure out what he could do to be the best version of himself, do that, and then talk to me for an hour about his experiences. So Steve decided to go into a two-day silent retreat to understand a little bit more about what was happening in his brain while he was going through a depression. And I'm just going to let him explain for you. I ask you to keep an open mind and realize that there are different ways of coping. And maybe if talk therapy or the things you've tried in the past haven't worked well, you know, think about the ways that other people have found to cope that not a lot of people may be exposed to, uh, such as a 48-hour silent retreat. With that being said, thank you, Steve, for sharing your experiences. Everybody, I hope you enjoy the show. Hi, I'm here with Steve. Steve was on one of the episodes where we talked about his work with meditation and after he has dealt with depression in his life, and now he has agreed to come back and share some of his recent experiences that have kind of helped him. Steve, I guess we'll start by asking, how are you? Oh, I'm uh, doing great. Certainly relatively. There's a lot of crazy stuff going on in the world right now. Yeah, um, doing pretty well. Thank you for asking. How are you doing? I'm good. I went grocery shopping, as I told you, but... Yeah, that was, I, I mean, I don't want to say it was a nightmare because I feel like to say it was a nightmare is to be, like, very, um, I, I like, privileged, I guess, because, like, you know, I feel like there's obviously worse places in the world I can be than the grocery store, but um, right. it was pretty, it was pretty, the energy was just a little chaotic, I will say. Yeah, did you have a tough time uh, at the store, like, getting through lines and social distancing and things well, like that? Well, I'll say that, like, my anxiety doesn't help this. And this, these are times when I feel like I really kind of resent my anxiety. Or I don't even realize that I have it until later and then I resent it. But I feel like just the idea of going into the store, realistically, I don't know that it should have got me as like I like think it's just I it's just so built up in my head now and 
it was fine. Like, people were okay. And I felt like as far as social distancing, I felt like there were some people who got it, but I felt like there were people that did not get it. And so, well, first, first I should tell you that I made a mask and I like went out and my tire was low in my car and I like sanitized up and got all ready, did the thing. And I'm like, I'm going to go to Wegmans. I got air, did everything, got to Wegmans and realized that like I left my shopping list at home. But I had specifically made sure that I had, like, everything, like, mapped out because I wanted to make it a very efficient trip. And this is where I kind of think maybe, like, I'm getting ahead of myself with, like, like the overthinking it, you know? So, like, then I didn't have my list. Yeah. And I was like, well, you know what, I'll just go anyway and re- try to remember everything, but I didn't want to make another trip if I forgot something. So then I go and Wegmans has like a line and they're like keeping people like six feet apart in line and like I guess like only letting you in at a certain time. And so right. I didn't know that and like so I was like well I'm not waiting in this line to not even get half of the stuff I need because I can't even remember the list let alone what the frick is on the list. <laughs> So yeah. <laughs> just like, no. So I left and I actually went to a different grocery store and I didn't have to wait in a line, but I did feel like people weren't necessarily as understanding um, as like of social distancing maybe. But I try to just be understanding and realize everyone's just doing the best they can. I had my mask on. I did what I had to do. And the worst part though is like I was at the end of my list, finally almost done. <laughs> And I go to the aisle that has, like, all the dairy, which is really what I need. Um, And they have it closed off for, like, restocking. And um, I was, like, like, nobody was saying how long it was going to take. And, like, I was standing there for, I would, I'll say five minutes. And then I'm, like, okay, I'm trying to figure out, like, when they're going to be done. Because there's a sign that's, like, restocking, come back. But, like, nobody put the time in. So I was just, like, I don't know how long to we here. And I just try to ask the employees, like, but they were, they were, like, in robot zone. Like, they know not to deal with the public, I guess. Like, I don't know what they've dealt with, you know, but it was very like, we're ignoring this girl. We're ignoring this girl. And I was just, that for me was like a really weird interaction. Cause I was like, why are these people ignoring me now? You know, like, I was just like, I'm just trying to figure out what's going on. So I, and I was being nice about it, but I, then I was literally like, like, I just need a block of cheese. Like, I literally, I needed more. But at that point, all I wanted was a block of cheese. Like, I'm just like, let me get my cheese and get the fuck out of here. So I was like, I literally just need a block of cheese. And the guy's like, well, what kind? What brand? I'm like, can you? I don't. I was like, I literally don't care. I was like, I'm just glad that you're going to get me the cheese. So just anything mild cheddar that's a block of cheese, I will take whatever size. And so, like, he goes and gets it. And, like, I just, so I didn't even mind of getting, like, like, some of the stuff I need and it's fine. I just like got out and now I'm home and I'm just glad that it's over <laughs> with. Right, right. Well, I'm glad you made it. That sounds like a heck of an adventure. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> every, every time we go out, I think a lot of people, you know, 
I mean, aren't necessarily on the exact same page, and it's hard to be because it's this is like a novel crisis. So yeah. I think a lot of people are trying to do their best, and I do too. And that's what I try to remember yeah. in my head. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, by all means. Oh, I was just gonna say I try to remember that in my head when I go about my interactions. Yeah, yeah, it's a good reminder. It's a good thing to keep in your head. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good. I'm glad you're back and you're safe. Yeah, well, how are you? And you have your cheese. I do, I do. So, that's a good Good. thing. I will say that this whole thing makes me a whole lot more grateful for, like, so many things. Really, truly. And that's, like, why when I was coming back, I was like, you know, I'm going to tell Steve about this and, like, But I also have to remember to tell Steve about, like, the good parts of it because, like, every time I eat a meal now, no lie, I, like, and for me it's kind of like a prayer, but it could be anything for anyone. Like, it's not always me sitting down and being like, hey, thank you, God. It's just literally me sitting down before I eat and taking a moment to be grateful to, like, have the food because I'm just, like, the energy and the chaos that it took to get this food to my mouth is, like, insane. Yeah, um, th- that kind of reminds me. I-, I don't remember which – I've learned from so many teachers now over the years, but I think it was Lama Surya Das who explained that in the beginning of every meal – one way to refocus your attention is the first bite of food you put it in your mouth and you you know you chew and you really really focus on the taste and the gratitude and all the the texture and everything and it's kind of like you know it doesn't if you're religious it doesn't have to replace grace but it's uh, saying grace but yeah. it can be a nice supplement, or I I just use it in general as a cool way to, you know, feel more grateful about what I'm eating. Yeah, I know. I feel like it's a nice practice, and I, and I feel it, like, around a lot of other stuff, too. Um, for example, like, I've been taking care of plants, and I'm starting to get a garden ready, like, just a little one in my backyard, but... Hey, awesome. Yeah, but, like, even just that, I'm just grateful, like, when when a plant doesn't die, when I'm like, oh, we, like, kept this alive. And also, I am a li- going a little bit crazy um, because other than this grocery store adventure and a few trips to, like, the pharmacy, I have not been out and I have not really interacted with people um so having another living thing in my apartment even if it's just a plant is like somehow magical for me right now so I just think it's giving me like gratitude for the little things um and that's a nice thing like I I feel like a lot of times we didn't or I didn't have the time to really appreciate things because I was always rushing from one thing to another so having this month to not really have an agenda and to take the time to be grateful is a good thing so I don't want to come in this and make it sound all bad I guess yeah it's important to acknowledge both sides of it the gratitude but also the difficulty on a personal level you know just because someone has it worse doesn't mean that 
you know, you don't get to acknowledge the maybe the tough times you're having. Yeah, and well, and so to and like that actually brings me to like the point is like another point, which is this is all just like in my little like Monaco bubble, and then outside of the Monaco bubble, there's also like really sad things happening, you know, like in like the world, like with this virus, and so it's weighing on my mind too, of course, and so there's just I don't know. It's just a strange time. Yeah, it is. And um, it's good to have conversations about it, reach out in whatever way we can, and lean on friends and family and stuff. Yeah, so did you want to, you know, share a little bit about, you know, your experiences over the last few weeks? Oh, yeah, well, I guess the, I mean, the podcast was to talk about how I ended up going on, like, setting up my own silent retreat and doing that. Is that what you'd like to get into? <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, on, on the previous podcast and in my TED Talk and things like that, we, we I've been pretty open about that I've dealt with uh, clinical depression and acute anxiety disorder since I was a teenager. And... I noticed, uh, I mean, it was starting maybe a couple months ago that I was kind of sinking down into there again, and it turned into, like, it, to the worst uh, depressive episode I've had since law school, which was my second year, which, so that was maybe six or seven years ago. Yeah, I mean, depression obviously doesn't have to be triggered, but there were some things, there was you know, two immediate family members got COVID-19 and one was in very bad condition for a while. And, you know, there was, there was a bit of heartbreak. I was just going into depression, so I, into a deep one. So I decided to do a retreat. And yeah, so, so that's well, where So can I stop you for a second? By all means. Okay, so a few episodes ago when, and this was right about when COVID, I don't know how else to describe it, I will say it started to land in the United States, and um, we started to really understand that, you know, our lives were going to change, and you were gracious enough to send in um, a clip about meditating and I believe that your you said um to kind of meditate on the idea that maybe you or a family member had COVID-19 and what that might feel like and then it I'm talking to you now and it turns out that you have had family members that got the virus and so do you without I know you don't want to probably go into specifics about it but can you just tell us a little bit about how that felt for you when you you know started to realize that a family member was sick yeah it was um yeah so I have three immediate family members and two of them got it one has a underlying immunodeficiency disease and so it was particularly difficult, and he was in critical condition for over a week. And it was a challenge um, on a lot of levels, but I, mostly because, like, I, I still haven't seen the family member um, because you, you can't. You can't mm-hmm. obviously mm-hmm. go 
yeah. go near them. So it was, and then, you know, with being a breathing disorder, uh, um, you know, it, it was very, there were a couple of days where he you know, wasn't able to talk. And so that was a challenge. But yeah, it was, the irony wasn't lost on me that I was practicing gratitude and meta meditation on, you know, what it would feel like. And then it, then it happened. So in a way that kind of um, prepared me and it helped me help other family members that were struggling to deal with how sick my, my family members were. I'm glad that you just said it that way. You said um, it helped you prepare for that. And I'm glad that I meditated on that because I think, um, at least like with my journey in mental health and just things I've read and whatever knowledge I seem to have about it, I have found that there's a bit of magical thinking with people and especially with the anxiety and me. So I will, if I, and I thought about this, like when you uh, sent me that clip, not in a bad way, but I, I'm afraid to meditate on that because I have this magical thinking, it's called. And it's like, if I think about something bad and then it happens, then like, what is, does that mean it's my fault because I thought about it? Which is completely yeah. bullshit. But that's just like, but now I'm so glad that you just said that because I feel like that just like changes my viewpoint. So thanks. <laughs> Oh, yeah, cool. I mean, I'm glad. I'm glad uh, anything, if anything I say helps anybody, and particularly you. But, yeah, I mean, I don't really have the the magical thinking um, that you're describing. I remember I used to have something similar when I was being raised Catholic. But, yeah, so I, th- this was kind of it, uh, a preparation in a sense, um, of something I didn't know was going to happen, but it was just very, even if it didn't happen, it would have been very useful. Yeah. So, okay. So then you, so you're in this depression, which sounds pretty horrible. And I'm sorry about that. I really, like, really, yeah, so, truly. So I went, you know, I went back to my practices. And when I first started, it was, it's meant to be Friday to Sunday. And when I first sat down on the cushion, I was, I thought, oh my God, I, th- this is not working at all. I mean, did I, am I like so depressed and anxious that all of these um, practices aren't going to help me again? So I just went, there's all kinds. So I went back to these really fundamental Vipassana, like, exercises like the first thing I did was I set a timer for an hour and just watched my breath and then let my mind go and then when I noticed my mind was gone uh, off somewhere else I gently brought it back and then one moment okay no yeah no this is great it's just before we get into that I guess um for so I guess I want to take a moment for you to explain kind of um, what made you in your moment of depression and like, because when I'm utterly fucking depressed, 
the last thing I want to do is lock myself. And I'm not saying, I know you didn't lock yourself in a room, but I'm just like for comedic Monica purposes. The last thing I'm going to do is like lock myself in a room in my mind and sit there alone for two days. So for, so listeners who are maybe a lot of people are not familiar with silent retreat. So my first question to you is, what made what is your motivation for doing this in the midst of your depression how did you find that motivation and to what even is a silent retreat yeah so the motivation question is a really good one because i started when you're depressed clinically you know you're not really you don't really care about yourself and it's why suicide results a lot of times but my my motivation now is the same as it was in the beginning, and that's um, others. So if I'm depressed and acutely anxious, I'm just not a good version of myself for the people that love me and and for anyone, really, people I randomly meet on the street. So particularly since my family was going through a crisis and I was already slipping into some heavy stuff um if you can't find the motivation yourself you can you can always find it by thinking about others and um yeah you know even even like um you know my brother has a new (laughs) beautiful baby son and you know he's got so much on his plate so i need to be on my best to give him a break it's it, it's yeah you, you so look did for you others think, so then did you think maybe like so were you like okay i'm in this depression i'm not at my best i need to be at my best how can i get to my best silent retreat yeah i think that's a, i think that's a concise way of saying it okay yeah okay cool and the, so a silent retreat to the second part of your question is just an extended meditation really and it's not always pleasant. You just, it it goes back to that old adage, you know, if you want to understand your mind, you sit down and watch it. If, If I'm out in the regular world, and I'm constantly grasping, grasping at things like this, this nice meal will make me feel better, or a hug from this person will make me feel better or listening to my favorite song or writing or doing something on my phone or, or posting a picture on Facebook. Um, if all the, if all those things are what you're grasping at, they're all fleeting. So you remove all those things and you put your, my, uh, I gave, actually gave my phone to my aunt and had her hide it in case I came out of the room and because I had to come out of the room to use the restroom and stuff, you remove all those things and then you just sit there and watch what your mind is doing first. And then it's almost like diagnosing. Why is what that your so scary doing. though? Like if to me, oh. like I, I know this is like, you're going to tell me that you're probably going to be like, well, that's because you're not in touch with yourself or something like that. I don't know what you're going to say. I know you're going to say something. Oh, that, that's that like, sounds pretty judgmental. I know. I, I was just thinking that I'm like, you know what? He's going to, then he's going to say that. Yeah, I know. That was a no, no for me. But I will say that that's what it feels like though. I'm like, why is this so scary for me? <laughs> like, why does that scare the shit out of me? I think, 
think it is scary sometimes because especially if you're in a bad state and what you're doing is really going into the the mind and the state like I, I I was acutely anxious when I started and when you're acutely anxious it's terrifying and it's it, it's the worst feeling in the world and you don't want to go into that and see what it is you just want it to go away and if you have some you know trauma in the past or something and you kind of suppress those thoughts a lot you don't want them to come up because they're extremely painful. So I think I think you're I think a lot of people share and myself I, I I've had that experience where it's almost um, scary to sit down and meditate like that. Yeah. So I, I think you're in good company. Um, yeah. You're just I think you're letting whatever arises arises arise. Yeah. So, okay. So, and the last question, and then I'm going to, I'm going to let you get into like you explaining like the meat and potatoes of it. I am wondering how you let, like, how do you get people to leave you alone for two days? Because I know that you're like, I mean, you're a lawyer and you have like a way of authority around you, which is great and like that's awesome. But some people listening like don't have that at home. So can you like explain to people how they can maybe harness that and like be like, yo, everyone's got to leave me alone for two fucking days? Well, yeah, that, that that's a for sure that's a concern. And by now, everyone knows, especially my family. You know, I've got, I started by, you know, traveling to, uh, you know, a place in upstate New York and then out to St. Paul, uh, Minnesota and, you know, sitting for a week and, and everyone knowing whether or not they thought I was nuts for doing it, knowing that I wasn't, my phone wasn't going to be there and they would have to go through like several layers <laughs> like to try to, to get to me if they needed me. Well, and then I think every, they they saw um, the the positive effects from it. So I think Ooh, that okay. even though I'm not religious, um, my family will respect it in the way that if someone said I'm going to mass or that it's Russian Orthodox Easter today, and if someone said, "Well, I need I'm going to services for." several hours and then the rest of the time I'm going to be doing family things well then you know I, I, most people would respect them yeah so I think I think it's that that level of communication okay but or you could simply go camping by yourself which is a great way being in nature and meditating is wonderful yeah um, I want to do that one day yeah it's, it's awesome um all right. Yeah. So okay. So now, now you do your thing. So and then, what happened? Tell us what happened. Oh, so yeah. I mean, I had. It didn't. I started. It, it was a that diagnosis phase was good because, you know, because things had gotten so hectic, and my I, my practice fell away a little bit, and then in the beginning, I just kind of had to. I started from the beginning with the basic practices that everyone does 
right in the beginning. Like the breath is the big one. You just watch the breath and the point isn't the breath. The point is to watch when your mind isn't focused on it. And then you bring it back to the breath over and over again. And the analogy that's used a lot is like if you have a muddy glass of water, the easiest way to get it to clear up is to simply sit it there, just let just let it sit, and the dirt particles float, rest and settle to the bottom. And it's you do essentially the same thing with your mind. You just sit there and allow it to calm down. And you don't try to let it calm down. You just let it go. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, Tibetans usually call it monkey mind. I think I don't. I've never heard this before, but I've been starting to call it kaleidoscope mind Ooh. because that's what it feels like to me. It's like you know when you when you're actually paying attention to what you're thinking about. It's all of these colors and and, and thoughts and pieces of a song mm-hmm. and. Um, yeah. half a story and then like the anxious feeling in your belly and then oh my god am i did i miss a deadline or and then you know but i don't know any number of things like even mean things happy things like they just kind of pop up and disappear like bubbles yeah so it kind of it, it's like a kaleidoscope to me but you usually don't recognize that until you've spent a little bit of time yeah. um, how crazy your mind is yeah oh my lord yes because I think about sometimes I think about like because now I know it so well that it's like become second nature for me everything you're saying but I for that I even tend to forget that there was a time that I didn't recognize these things in my mind Even now, some days I don't want to sit down to meditate, and I feel like those are usually the times that I need to the most, almost, because there is, I feel like, I usually call it monkey mind, but I do like the kaleidoscope thing. Yeah, the monkey mind's what the Tibetans call it. Yeah, and so then when that happens, it's uh, like you almost forget you get so you get caught up in it like I get caught up in it so I forget what it feels like to not be caught up in that and that's usually when I don't want to meditate because I'm so distracted I'm so into my monkey mind that I don't even realize that there's another way to be and yeah, so yeah yeah and, and monkey mind is the monkey mind kaleidoscope mind whatever you, that, that's the normal state yeah. some, for someone who's never meditated that's the state of the mind 100 yeah. percent of the time and now that i've been and, meditating for years it's like second nature but i tend to forget that not everyone has that yeah i mean the conventional wisdom is that usually you start to meditate and you, you're just focusing on working on focus for a couple months and or a couple weeks or whatever and you think you're succeeding in the beginning and then once you practice a little bit, it it happens to everybody that they sit down and meditate again, and they're for a while. It's like I am so distracted. I don't. I'm why I was able to do this before, and because it requires a certain amount of focus to notice how distracted you are. <laughs> yes. You, you're, you're getting yeah. you're getting better when you realize. Like when you hit that point where you're where you're. You have um, the monkey minds um, when you recognize it. That's quite, that's an accomplishment. 
It is, um, and you can't a, explain it. You can't show it to somebody else. They need to experience it for themselves. Yeah, but it's just, I mean, there's simple challenges. See if you could stop thinking for 30 seconds. Yeah. I never heard or met anybody who could do that. And then the curiosity comes from there. Well, if I can't stop thinking, then in what sense am, am I in control of my mind? Yeah. And then you start practicing. It's all curiosity for me. I mean, that's why I started it. Like, there's, I don't know how, it's a bizarre feeling. I don't actually know how my mind works. So if you want to understand it, you you sit down and watch it and observe like a scientist. So, okay, so you do this for... 20 for 48 hours you just keep bringing your breath back to your like or your i'm sorry your focus back to your breath for 48 well hours? no i i did that for the first hour i ah. just set i just set a timer and just to recenter myself and to get into the meditative like to to, to get into a good state of mind I, I but see. then i took you know there's this difference between dual and non-dual practices Mm -hmm. so I stayed with these dualistic practices for a while and that would be like vipassana which one form of that is the focus thing that I was talking about Um, another one is metta where you're working with your emotions and you know another one is just gratitude and the reason it's called dualistic is because there's the meditator and something else so it, when you're working on your focus, you have the observer and you're observing the mind, um, you're, you're watching the breath and you feel like you would feel like Monica watching your breath. Mm-hmm. Wait. So, yeah, so that's Wait. what I did. And then Metta is another good one where you work with your emotions and you you think of people like for example you think of people that you have a a non-romantic but really really loving relationship like i usually use my brother it's extremely easy for me to wish that my brother gets everything he wants in life and has no pain and you learn you learn how that feels and then you use that feeling and apply it to someone else, maybe someone who's harmed you or even a difficult person or someone who's mean or someone who broke your heart or whatever it is, you apply that. So that's another good practice. So, okay, so if you're going to do, so if you're going to do, what what do you call it, the one with the M? Matt? Meta? With with two T's? Yeah, 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 yeah. So you would basically sit down. It's, it's translated. It's translated into loving kindness, okay. like hyphen, loving kindness meditation. It's an easier way to say it. And then you just basically, like you and I have done it together with um, some people in my life that I was having difficulties with, and I felt like it was such a great experience for me because at that time, um, the person was. I was having difficulties with them and I was struggling and it was just like I felt like I couldn't find that peace at all and um it obviously is an it was an important relationship for me so I wanted to find that peace 
And the last thing in, that I really wanted to do, I guess, at the time, um, being hurt and being, you know, upset with that person was to sit down and wish them, um, you know, freedom from suffering. What are the two phrases that you... Yeah. I mean, the, the two phrases that I usually use are, may you be happy and may you be free from suffering. Yeah. But that that whole... And those aren't mine. I, those are those were taught to me. But um, any any kind of you know, may may all of your wishes come true. May may you be free from pain um, emotionally and physically. You know th- those type of wishes. And you know it, it may sound a little cheesy, but you know when you work up to people in your life that are that you're having a difficult time with it's really transformative because you, you then approach those people from a point of love and forgiveness before anything even happens. Mm-hmm. And, and, and when you're thinking, when those people come up or, you know, pop into your head, you already have this love and, and peace toward yeah. them, forgiveness. Yeah. It's it, it all this is all just training your mind. I love that though. It's so effective. Yeah, I'm glad. Yeah, it's been so effective for me for sure and it's like I don't know. I feel like if we're my personal opinion on peace is that if we're ever going to have peace in the world, then we need to have it within ourselves first. It just doesn't, nothing else makes sense. If you're not peaceful, how can you look around the world and be like, I'm not going to be peaceful, but you all should be peaceful. Like, no, it, 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 it like starts, then if I'm peaceful, then maybe, I don't know. So that's the way it works. But, and so that's yeah. why I love these. I mean, it, it goes, that goes back to the fundamental motivation of why someone would meditate. Because you're, if, you're, if your concern is peace, like you said, you have to find it within yourself first. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're not going to be effective. So that that's the motivation then. Yeah. To find, find peace in yourself so you can help others. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Okay, so can you explain... So can we go back to the dual versus non-dual? Or, uh, yeah. There's just one other dualistic practice, and then we can talk about dual versus non-dual. Sure. Yeah, and it's the simple one. Um, it's just gratitude. Okay. So, you know, there's, there's now there's tens of thousands of people that have died of COVID. There's tens of thousands of children that die every day of, you know, just lack of clean water. Mm-hmm. I was talking to a friend the other day who's, who's from a military family. She's raised four kids. One is serving. Her husband served. And she, after that, she is now shipping out in June for six months with the National Guard. Um, you know, it's it's easy to look around and and um, find a lot of things to be thankful for, either that you are not in that position, that you have people that are willing to do certain things, like like she is. Um, right. You know, that you have people that love you. Reminding, I just find reminding yourself of all of these things um, is very important, and it can be a great gratitude meditation. How unbelievable, just that you exist, how unbelievably (laughs) grateful you be. You're so right, though. Honestly, I really do think that there's such a power in uh, gratitude, and one of the other things 
ah, I think love is the strongest force on earth, but it's because like love can defy depression. As you said before, you think of others. And an example of me doing that would be today when I my anxiety was like, I don't want to say it got the best out of me, but it was there. And I didn't want to yeah. go shopping and blah, blah, blah. And I'm being cranky and like, I'm worried about this guy, like if he's six feet away from me, whatever. Um, and then I'm just like sitting there and I, I took a minute to like really think of all of the people in my life who are nurses, who are work in grocery stores like who are essential workers and i am so grateful for those people and they are continuing to do their job and it just like in that moment i was able to be like oh like okay yeah. you know like it's i don't know there's just like a power of being like grateful for yourself and what you have but also being grateful for the people who are doing things to keep your life going you know like i'm like oh all these workers are here today they don't want to be here they're doing this for me so i can have food and then so yeah there's so much gratitude to be found everywhere i think yeah yeah and it affects you positively and it affects the way you treat others positively i think mm -hmm. it's not just bringing up bad things that happened or something because there's like the, there's the two sides of gratitude: gratitude that you you aren't suffering like somebody else is, and then gratitude that you are able to gratitude for the positive. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, so I think it, it it gives you yeah it, it helps you you personally, but it also allows you to be um, a bit better to others and understanding. And yeah, it's a good practice. <laughs> I love it. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So you wanted to talk about non-dual versus dual. Well, yeah. So you explain. So those are like dualistic. So what would be like a non-dualistic? So dual. So am I even saying it right? Dualistic would be like anything that re-edifies or acknowledges the subjective person, the self. So if you're watching your breath, you feel like. Steve watching like your nose or your chest and you, it, an easy comparison because I'm sure we have a large there a lot of people are Christians or were raised that way as I was I was raised Catholic and that would be perfectly dualistic and when the and the goal of meditation ultimately is to find a non-dualistic state so it's dualistic because you're, you know, you, you sit down to pray, and essentially what you're doing is having communication with some invisible spiritual entity, Jesus, Allah, uh, whatever, Yahweh. You know, you, you're you're the per, you're a person here, and you're communicating with some higher being. That's what prayer is, or acknowledging it at all. Uh, um, just like me talking to you, you know, there's two of us. We're, there's a communication between the two of us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's two parts. It's dualistic. And usually what you feel like, with even within yourself, is you feel like someone, you feel like you, yourself is in your head somewhere. And in the same way, you look at your foot, you know it's part of your body, but you're looking at your foot. Like the foot isn't you. And even in the way we say it, 
you say, I have a foot, mm-hmm. not, you know, you, you have, you have, you're controlling your body somehow um, from inside your head. And that sense of self is what is overcome in non-dualistic practices. And that's when, that's where phrases like um, being one with everything come from. Mm-hmm. Because use your sense of self, you're just as alert. But the whole you, Douglas Harding put it: you you lose the self and you gain the world. Mm-hmm. So you are completely. There's no space. To there's no distance. Yeah. Um, you're simply this space in which all of these phenomena arise. Yeah. I get it. And there's a couple of different ways to approach that because it's a difficult concept. It I is. learned in Zen on retreat, and that's a Tibetan practice. But there's also ones like like an, this English guy, Richard Lang, who was a student of Douglas Harding, and this American guy called Mark Kelly, and they they're actually on the Waking Up app, and they do their own. Like Richard Lang calls it, the science of the first person. And you run experiments on yourself. It, it's, it's set up scientifically. What do you actually know and what do you actually see? And Locke Kelly kind of gives you, through different tricks of perspective, gives you glimpses. Is It's called a glimpse, glimpse exercises. And he gives you what that feels like. And you, you could try all these different things. And then ultimately, you keep looking for the self and you fail to find it convincingly so the best analogy i've ever heard for this is like if i was standing with you at a window and pretend that you had never seen the effect of being able to see your reflection partially in that window Mm -hmm. right and i was trying to explain that at the right angle and stuff you can see yourself reflected back even though the window is clear mm-hmm. and all, but you can't see the, you can't see that effect because you're so entranced with what's going on outside. Like, Oh, look at the squirrel and look at the beautiful sun. And oh, look at the, Lord, that's so cool. Yeah. And look at the, look at the trees and everything that's going on outside. But what I'm trying to show you is that mm-hmm. just the effect of the, that you can be, you can reflect back from the window as well at certain angles and in the right light that's right and you keep looking through so it's like this this non-dualistic no self thing is so close it's on you it's always there and you kind of overlook it because the ego takes over yeah oh yeah well i feel like quarantine is really good for spotting um you know your ego my like it's good for I guess I should just speak for myself and say I've been spotting my ego a lot in quarantine <laughs> that's good um <laughs> yeah, yeah I mean it's good where? I mean it's good but it's just like sometimes it's like oh wow Monica like you're not as as uh transcendent as maybe you think you are <laughs> uh, yeah well I don't yeah that's Me too. Those, those are good reality checks. Yeah, for sure. Uh, for sure. So, okay, so you did, like, a I lot of... I would encourage anybody to try those different types of practices, though. 
You would, I, you said? I, I love the Waking Up app because it's not just Sam Harris. It's You can do these different exercises with different teachers. And if you can't, it's like a couple bucks a month, but if you can't afford it, you just write a little letter. You write an email, and they give it to you for free. So What? Well, the whole point is that he doesn't want money to be an obstacle for anybody. He's so, a great guy, that Sam Harris. I, I, I admire him quite a bit, yeah. I do, too. Uh, that's really cool. I will definitely check that out. And is that how you learned a lot of these practices? I originally learned them on retreat. And the thing about a, a, an app like this is... Well, first of all, it's founded by a neuroscientist, so there's no, you, you know, you, you're not going to be chanting anything in Tibetan or there's no ritual. They're concerned with the actual effects and what can be learned from them and getting you glimpses of them to see that there actually is a there there. Well, we should probably explain. Like, we should probably explain like, for people who haven't, don't know, um, or are just tuning into this episode. Sam Harris is a neurologist who is um, a neuroscientist. Yeah, you want to explain it? He's just like some because there. I think there's an important th- piece to be said about Sam Harris because I think there's an appeal there. He's not Christian. He's not like New Age. He's not. You know, he's just literally looking at the science behind things and then seeing how meditation can help yeah i think he's i mean personally and a lot for a lot of people i know um he he was very important because he didn't get famous for this stuff i mean he was famous because he wrote right after 9-11 he wrote the end of faith and letters to a christian nation and there was this movement that people kind of i guess pejoratively call referred to as the new atheists and the the four horsemen of atheism. Harris never used the word atheist, um, but he certainly is, and he makes that clear. The difference was between him and Hitchens and Dawkins and Tennant. We're all geniuses, and I admire them all incredibly. But Sam Harris is a neuroscientist, and he had spent years in Asia studying meditation. The you know sophisticated Buddhists are, are atheists, Buddha is not a god. That the E E recognize that these are all these are like feelings and practices that anybody can do, even Christians mm-hmm. or religious people. Mm-hmm. And so he kind of broke the door down because when someone says Buddhism is a religion, it it's not it's not quite. It, it, it I, I think it's more. It's kind of analogous to how you can be a cultural um, Jew, where you could be an atheist, but you're Jewish. Mm-hmm. Just like so, there's a lot of t- Tibetan uh, tradition and stuff built in, but okay. you know, it, but yeah, there's a lot. There's a more like culture built into this practice, and it's called a religion. But it's it's more like going to the gym for your mind. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I'm I'm absolutely an atheist, just like Sam Harris is. Yeah. It's just... Yeah, that's why I like I kinda like to point that out though, because when I was first getting into this, I um, you know, I was definitely 
you know, not about religion or Christian, like just not about any of that, you know. Um, and so I think it's nice that that there's somebody who is bringing awareness that it doesn't have to be about that. I guess is what I'm trying to say. And all of the teachers that are associated, they're kind of just pulling these feelings out yeah. and these practices out without and stripping away any cultural stuff that's attached to it. Yeah, that's, yes, that is what I'm trying to get at. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. I like that. So, all right. So, are incredibly useful states, though. Like a non dualistic state is incredibly useful because it's once you see it, and you realize it was always there, and, um, you know, it's... It's mind-blowing. It, yeah, like, imagine if you're in horrific anxiety. It's not that the anxiety goes away. It's that the, your anxiety just becomes part of your whole, your, your whole sensory experience. It's just awareness. You're aware of this whole ball, globe of sensation and anxiety just is part of it and it's neither good nor bad it's just there yeah Um, yeah like i mean it's kind of like walking being blindfolded and walking and being led into like a dark room and being terrified and then someone turns on the lights and you're like oh it's actually like a beautiful room in here there's great decoration everything's wonderful and so it's not as scary as I thought it was but you know the things are still here but I can see them now oh yeah I've never thought of it that way yeah I'm thinking about it that way and I'm also thinking about it in a way of like dark matter which you and I were talking about the other day but it's just like we have all this dark matter in the universe like you know, like, I guess anxiety is kind of, like, putting a light on that. If we could, like, just see what it was, maybe then we'd understand, like, so much more. Could be. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's my little dreamy Sunday mind. (laughs) I think with, like, like, not just any kind of meditation, the point, though, isn't to, it's that you're not changing it, you're not using a different concept, nothing, like, I remember Joseph Goldstein once saying that, oh, I knew I was going to be okay with my anxiety when I knew that it was going to be absolutely fine if I had anxiety the rest of my life. When it would be absolutely what? Like, it's not that the point was that not that he, like, maybe the anxiety wouldn't ever go away. He realized he was going to be fine if it stayed there the rest of his life. Yeah. Meditation, because. You, it just it just becomes another thing that you happen to be aware of at that moment, and it's just part, it just just part of this like a movie you're watching. Yeah, and I think that you explained that to me too, like a few years ago, when you're like, you're not, you don't become your anxiety. Like it's not like if somebody sees you, like they can see like you become your anxiety. So yeah, I think when you like, I think all of this is uh, really powerful ways to help people look at you know things differently and just not maybe freak out. And then it kind of helps with the reaction to things because if you're not afraid of something, then when it appears, you're not reacting to it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And if I may put it another way, yeah, anxiety, for example is only painful 
if you're identified with it, which you are 99% of the time, it's I have anxiety, right? As opposed to anxiety is part of this larger awareness that can be taught to you and whatever arises in the awareness is just part of what is just you what you are is the space and what everything else is the content that arises in the space yes but to use like a really extreme example <laughs> i remember that rage against the machine album back in the day where like a monk is sitting there on fire doing self-emulation yes he and he's sitting there in perfect form like how is that possible i mean he was doing that because the chinese were killing hundreds of thousands of tibetans and that was the only way that they could protest because they're pacifists even though the dalai lama does not agree with that but the point was that how how is it even how is it physiologically possible for someone to sit in a perfect meditation position and burn themselves to death, which must has to be absolutely excruciating. Yeah. And it's because the monk was sitting in a non-dual state. So all of the pain is just part, just part of the content that you're aware of. Steve, oh my Lord. Okay, two things. One, you need to read Harry Potter. Because literally, okay, one, they, for everyone listening, I don't know if it's every library, I feel like it might be, um, but Harry Potter, at least for the Scranton Library, is free on audiobook and, um, and uh, ebook for this month, the first book. So I recommend that because it's a great distraction. I was re-reading, or in other words, listening to the audiobook. And Dumbledore says when Harry's, like, worried about, like, he's worried about um, defeating Voldemort and if he dies in that and whatever. And Dumbledore says death is but but the next great adventure to the well-organized mind. He's like, holy shit, that's so right. Like, if your mind is organized, it's just an adventure. And that... This week for me, like, when I, when I got sick, like, not this week, like, a few weeks ago, and have anxiety, of course, my mind in one point is like, this is it, I'm dying, I'm croaking, we're going, like, this is it. And, but I felt like it was a good time for me to meditate on that, because I was like, you know what, one day, you are gonna die, and... I don't really rationally think that this is the moment, but your anxiety is telling you that this is the moment. So let's not, like, why not just go with it? Because isn't this good practice for the moment then? I try to work on just, like, what you said, like, getting my mind into, like, a place where I felt like maybe I could be like that monk. (laughs) Oh, yeah. um, Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, on a couple levels, I mean, sure, that is good practice, (laughs) and it's really good to whatever, to acknowledge whatever your mind is doing, and even if you you think it's irrational or whatever, your mind's still doing it, so the the point is, 
point is not to judge and to simply, you know, step back and watch. So if you're, if you're acutely worried about death, it's actually how the, the sage Ramana Maharshi, um, started, he, he became horrified of death and he had these non-dual experiences and became an adept essentially overnight and started and went in, he meditated for like 10 years. This is in the 19th century too, um, or, or the eight, or the 20th century too. And it was that fear of death. And he started looking for what it is that he thought was going to die. So that's, I mean, it's not a practice I've really spent much time with, but I, I know it's, I know it can be very transformative. Okay, so like that, so we're getting to like the. I've never, I've never heard, by the way, a transition from that was awesome, a transition from Rage Against the Machine and self-emulation to <laughs> Harry Potter. <laughs> I think I could probably make a, a Harry Potter reference for anything. The other thing that I should tell you is that that it also could be linked to rage against the machine especially for you but there's a part where all the new first years are just at hogwarts like their magical school and they're singing like the um all of the older upperclassmen are singing the the song that the hogwarts song and dumbledore at the end he um is wiping his eyes and he's like ah music a magic far beyond anything we can do here. And I'm like, oh my lord, he's so right. Like, mad, like music is so magical. Like, I just can't. So. Okay. Yeah, it is. It's, uh, music is very important. <laughs> okay, but before we get, like, distracted on this, um, I have to, okay, so that, so let's get back to it. So what, so now, so you how? so you kept yourself in this state. Did you ever, do you ever get sick of it? You're like, no, I don't want to do this anymore. Like 24 hours in, you're like, I don't want to do this for the second day. Oh yeah. Um, that's, that's part of it too. And like, I, I didn't really eat. I just had a bottle of green machine with me so I wouldn't have to go downstairs so, like, things like, they're good to practice with, like, things like hunger or impatience or restlessness or, oh, yeah, in the first podcast, I talked about how my hip hurts sometimes, so sometimes sitting cross-legged can be really painful. I mean, those are all just things, again, they're, they're part of the contents that arise in your awareness. So, they're all really cool things to practice with. That's cool. So, so what what was the outcome? How did this turn out for you? Oh, I mean, it, it was actually pulled out of it a little bit early by situation I couldn't I had to, but it, it was it was wonderful. Got reacquainted with some of the things that I had forgotten over the past um, couple weeks and months when my practice kind of went away a little bit due to life getting in the way mm-hmm. um it was absolutely transformative now the depression and anxiety didn't go away but it certainly helps and when you're in a state of whatever you want to call it when you're in a state of perfect awareness then 
it, it doesn't matter at all what's happening around you. You're in touch with reality. So if you had, like, walked in at some point, like, and when I was really into it, you know, I might have been, like, sprawled out on the bed. At one point, I was so transfigured that, you know, my lips had chapped because I was just kind of staring at the ceiling for, I, I have no idea how long, because the sense of self had gone away and all of this amazing stuff had flooded into my awareness and it didn't matter. It's the, it's the awareness that's always there. No matter, and the worst day of your life, the best day of your life, it's, it's just always there. And it's just a matter of being patient and practicing and allowing whatever arises to arise and then seeing what it is you actually are aware of. I love that. I'm just taking yeah. it all in. There's, um, yeah. So it, they're all, all of the different traditions, they're all pointing to this exact feeling, the same thing, that feeling of no self. And it's, and no self, it seems scary. You don't lose anything. You, you just, you gain everything. You can't get lost. You don't, it's not like dying. It's, it, it's, it's just, it, it, it's, there's, it's just leaving concept behind and seeing what arises in your own awareness. Tough concept to explain. No, I know. I know. It is. I mean, but that's the thing. But it can be taught and it can be learned empirically. And if you're not sure, then you just ask. The, 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 The ultimate, this ultimate awareness, people call it nirvana. And and then the rest of, the rest of the time, you're pra- you always know it's there. You always know you can go back to it. It's just a matter of, per- you know, not leaning on outside things to make to make sh- you happy because it takes a little bit of a wor- work. So when you're in a tough spot, you can always go find your way back to it because it's clear that it's there after it's been pointed out. Once you see what awareness actually is, there's no not seeing it. Yeah. You can always see it now. That's so true. It's so interesting. It's so interesting how, like, some people, like, don't even get the chance to experience that. If you put the time in, it is a great antidote to a lot of a lot of difficult things. Like, particularly, this is the most helpful thing for me that I've ever found for mental illness personally, and I've tried nearly everything over the years. Yeah, I know. I mean... And it's important to get it out there. Like, I know, like, there's very... You could... There are absolutely going to be people, if they listen to this, saying, what what the hell is he talking about? (laughs) Yeah. Um, But it's still important to talk about it because some people hopefully will actually put in some practice and find this incredible relief. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, that's so helpful. And uh, that that sentiment certainly helps me because I feel like I do this every week, but it's not easy. Like my last episode last week, which was me explaining um, like being in an episode of PTSD and get coming out of it. That was really hard for me to talk about, um, and not really. I shouldn't say talk about. Um, I should say that it was very hard for me to release that episode, and I just, even now, like, it just scares me. I don't know why, um, but, so I don't know, but I'm trying to do it for your sentiments, which is, you know, somebody out there could definitely find relief from that. Um, and so I really do believe in like the sharing of knowledge and wisdom to help other people. So that's why I try to do what I do, but it's difficult sometimes. Yeah. And I, I've told you before, but I, it's important to say again, it's why I admire, um, so much what you do. Um, I'm, I'm just giving my little nugget of perspective on a specific thing and a specific way to deal with it. And you're putting yourself out there all the time. Um, chat with challenging different people's ideas and and getting them out there and I, I can't think of a more noble thing to do in this space so um, I have so much admiration for what you do and it's why I'm, I'll always make time to come on and talk um, so it's, it's really inspiring so thank you for doing it thank you that's so kind thank you Steve that My means pleasure. a lot to me. It really does. So, is there anything else that you want to add about your experiences or um, anything about this crazy life? Just anything at all? I think that I think that that kind of uh, covers my experience. Is there anything that I didn't um, that you'd like me to explain more, or any questions, or? Like, where are you with the coronavirus, like, and your mental health? And do you have advice for people? Like, I mean, just anything. Mm, like, where, in like, terms it's, of... It's hard. Because, like, I feel like it's, like, hard right now. Because we just, there's so much information. People are really worried. Just, yeah. me, like, what, what kind there's of lot, brings you back to center? Yeah, there's a lot of information. There's a lot of misinformation or disinformation so it's tough I mean um, I, I I tend to try to just get my the information I need I try not to watch it first of all I was talking to my aunt the other day and she she's not a fan of Trump and uh, well not needless to say neither, neither am I but the the watching his press conferences every day, and I guess I would encourage people. Just what I said to her. So why are you doing this? Are, are you getting it from? Well, no, I'm not getting any information out of this. Why are you watching that? Well, because he's, in in her view, is incompetent and and a terrible president and whatever so so that again like why are you watching it <laughs> yeah like why because you're just pissing yourself off over and over again yeah it's you there's all there's all kinds of ways to be informed yeah and i don't think it's um maybe the best to 
subject yourself to something that you know is going to, you know, piss you off or make you make you depressed or whatever. So stay informed is important and in, in the right way that I think being isolated is such, um, such a good opportunity to spend some time with yourself. You don't have to meditate. Like sometimes you can write, you know, figure some things out so that you come out of, you come out of this whole process better maybe figure out some some improvements you can make in your life maybe try to set some little goals you know help in whatever way you can be thankful and you know think of you know think of what it feels like to for the people that are suffering and their families and if you are work on um, being compassionate and as helpful and engaged and present as possible I guess that's kind of general advice, but I think for, for those who are just, you know, just isolated and they're okay, this might be a really good time to give meditation a try and see what you think. Oh my this God, stop looking at me, Steve. Stop looking at you? Yeah, no, I'm just kidding, because you're like, for those who are isolated, this might be a good opportunity for like, year round. No, I mean, like, so many people are isolated. So am I. <laughs> no, I know what you mean though. You're right though, and you're right, and so yeah. Yeah, it, it could be a good opportunity. Yeah. yeah. So. Well, that's. Thank, thank you so much for being on the show and sharing your experiences, and I'm glad that you know you're doing okay and your family's doing okay. Yeah. Uh, anytime. Thanks for all you do, and. Um, Happy to come back and talk about whatever you like. Um, so, yeah, keep it up. You're, yeah, you're awesome and you're an inspiration to a lot of people. So, thank you. Thank you, Steve. It means the world to me. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of How We Get By. I really hope that you enjoyed the show. I certainly enjoyed hearing about that experience. I still have a hard time when I think about meditating for 48 hours, but I definitely think that it's something I'm adding to my to-do list. I really hope that everybody is staying healthy, healthy. <laughs> I hope everyone's staying healthy. What I meant to say was staying healthy and happy. And that <laughs> is now healthy. So I hope that you're doing healthy. And I don't have any recommendations for you this week because my brain is just scattered and the fact that I got this podcast out. Actually, I lied. I do have a recommendation. Last night in the middle of recording this and editing and doing everything that I needed to do, I was feeling anxious about it and I'm like, all I want to do is sleep and stare at the ceiling and do nothing. And I gave myself that grace and I did. I just was like, if I can't get the episode out this week, then I don't get it out this week. I need this time for myself. And I took it. And then I wound up getting up early and finishing the episode anyway. 
But what I'm saying is my recommendation for you is if there is a time this week that you feel that naggy feeling that you don't want to do whatever it is that you're doing and you do have the liberty to say, I'm going to not do this now. I'm going to give my body the chance to rest. Give yourself and your body the chance to rest for once, just one time for me. And you could blame it on the show. Say, I listened to this podcast and they made me do this. And see how it feels for you. Okay, thanks for everybody who has tuned in and shared the show. Please remember to like or subscribe wherever you subscribe to podcasts. If you're on Apple iTunes and you could leave a five-star review, that would really help to get me up the charts and have these messages exposed to other people who may hear it. Um, I'm always looking for people to interview on the show, so reach out to me either through the Facebook page or howwegetby.podcast at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. I am always accepting one-time donations for the time and the labor it takes to make these episodes to produce them, but also to get the outreach of getting this message out there and hopefully... um, widening my scope for listeners and also people to interview. So thank you for everyone who has done that. I appreciate it. But the single most important and vital thing you can do for this show to keep it going would be just to simply share it either on uh, Facebook, social media, Instagram, uh, wherever, or by word of mouth. So if you like something you hear, tell your friend about it. Okay, that's all I have for you other than for you to listen to Joe Burke, who is the musician who created the beginning and the end of the episode. He has great music available on all listening platforms. You can find him on Facebook and Bandcamp, Joe Burke. Check it out. You definitely won't be disappointed. I hope that you have a great week.